Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. So it was the middle of the day in July. I mean, it's just so hot. And I'm sitting on top of this roof structure right in the middle of Mexico. Have you ever been to Mexico? It's hot. Mexico plus July is like ridiculously hot. And I'm sitting on this roof. And it's that type of heat where the sun is baking down on you so hot that you can like actually feel like the waves of heat coming and piercing your skin. But then as I'm sitting on this rooftop, I can feel the heat from the ground coming up. So I'm being cooked like an egg from both sides. And I'm sitting there wondering, Lord, how did I ever get myself in this situation? Because I couldn't even breathe. I led a group of high school students there on a mission trip, and we had a large group of students there in Mexico to build homes. And this ministry was amazing. This ministry was built around this idea that we would come down, and there's local pastors who didn't have the ability to provide homes. And so this local pastor would work with the community and find people, and then he would go to their house and say, I have a home for you. The Lord has provided a home. And then these groups would come in, which was us, and we would build these homes. And when I say home friends, it's the size of your shed. And depending on what size shed you have, let me be a little more clear, it's the size of a small shed. Two-bedroom home, no running water. We would just lay concrete on the ground. we divide in the middle. It was really nothing. And at the top of that, how many of you would allow unskilled high school students to build your home? It was still better than what they had. It was a life-changing time for all of us. And, and it was July. It was hot. We looked, worked as hard as we could. But we'd work in these short stints. So the heat is baking us. We're hot from all sides. The heat is coming down. And we would retreat into the shade. As we'd sit in the shade, it was hot shade. I don't know if you've ever had that situation. Like, you're in there, but like, heat is still blasting on you from all directions. Hey, cool, sun's not killing me, but everything else is. So we would get off this roof, and we'd go and like 15-minute increments and just drink as much water as we could, and then we'd go back up to work. Uh, Not so for one of my students. This student I had, she was maybe 55 pounds wet. And she was up there, and she's like, Jason, I don't feel good. I'm like, okay, cool, let's get you down. We bring her into the shade. She's like, yeah, right, this is not doing it, and she is not looking good. She's all pasty. I'm looking for scenes of heat stroke, dehydration, all these types of things. And the only option I had, we're in the middle of nowhere. The only option we had at this point was, how do I contact and get someone out here to help us, or do I immediately get her to some side of cooling? All we had with us was our van. So we take, I get to our large 15-passenger van in which we carted all these dozens of students over there, and I I get into the van, and I turn it on. Like, if I can get the air conditioning going, perhaps she can get some relief. So she's laying in the back, sickly, sipping water in the back. She throws up. Oh, man, hope that was in a bucket. This is a rental. And so she's not doing well. She's in the back. I turn on the air conditioning, and that air conditioning started hot. 
as that heat comes off the air conditioning, I'm like, this is the worst thing in the world. It's now blowing more heat onto me and onto her. And I'm like, this is terrible. But then the switch came, and we all know that glorious switch. The switch that starts to get the cool to come. And the van starts getting cold. And I'm starting to figure out lies of how I stay in this van with her. Okay, oh, she really needs to be cared for. I should stay. You know, how do I go? I've got all these students. And I turn this fan on, and as the air is blowing over us, it was this refuge like I've never felt before. I've been in situations where I've been hot. I've never been Mexico, July hot. And the feeling of that coolness over my skin was something I've never experienced. The relief was almost so immediate for me. I thought, oh my word, if I could just stay here. But I couldn't. So I set her up. I set up one of her leaders, of course. You know, I'm the sacrificial guy. So her and her leader stay with her, and I go back to the group, and I go back to the roof. You know what I thought about the whole time? That van. I thought about maybe when we take our 15-minute breaks, we don't go to shade. We go back to the van. Maybe I have like, hey, that's a great party. Let's hit a few nails and go back to the... I'm thinking of ways. How do I get back? Is there a way for me to get back to refuge? Is there a way to me get back to that place where I'm feeling comfortable? Now, it gets hot in Wisconsin, and we all know that, and you know what I'm talking about when you get in your van. If you're going to Piggly Wiggly, it's been sitting there, and it's baking, and it's super hot, and you turn on the air. You know, you've had that situation. You know what I'm saying about So you know that feeling of when that air comes, what it felt like to say, why would I sit in this car without air conditioning? Why, why do I ever leave a place where I feel safe where I feel comfortable, where I feel I'm okay. Have you ever thought about that in the concept of God? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about God as that place of refuge in your life where you literally have a place when the world is smoking, burning hot, but there's a place of refuge? There's a place of air conditioning, if you will. A place that where in the presence and within the relationship with God, when everything is out here burning, you have a place of refuge. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. A lot of times, actually, I think we do. I think we think of God when everything is burning and we are super hot and terrible life and everything is going bad and your life is falling apart. Something bad just happened. Your boyfriend just broke up with you. You just lost your job. And we do one of two things. Either then we run to God and say, oh God, help me, help me, help me, please help me, please help me, please help me. And we get to that place of refuge. Or we go the other way and say, God, I'm so sick of this. This is all your fault. We run away and stay out there. Let me speak to those who've run to the refuge. When you have that place of brokenness and you're not in God's relationship or care and then you move over to it, it's like a cooling balm over your body. When you are lost and out here and the heat and you come into that relationship and say, God, I need you more now than ever. When everything is going bad, I want to stay right here in your care and in your refuge. And a whole thing happens. You're like, God, this is so awesome. And I went, I got to go back to church, right? It's time to go back to church. It's the fall. It's time we all go back and say, God, we're sorry for skipping all summer. And then we go back to God, like, God, this is so awesome. And I've got relationships. And this is so great. And then you're like, oh, but we're all squirrels. Squirrel. And then we go back over here. And so we run back and forth like I'm running from a roof to a van in our spiritual life. And we ask the question, why doesn't God love me? We ask the question, why isn't God with me in the hard times? But we're the ones running from a roof 
to the van, back and forth. Because when things are good and you're comfortable, we tend to say, oh, I'm good. Now it's my time to figure out what I want. And we go in our life. When we're over here and things go bad and we make terrible choices or life just hits us square between the eyes. Then we say, okay, God, help me, help me, help me. I'm good. We move back. There's a problem there is that that's not what the Bible says. That is not what Scripture calls us to. In fact, the Scriptures brings us a beautiful word picture to say this. You are designed to stay in his refuge. And in his refuge, terrible, hard things are going to happen in life. It happens to all of us. But in his refuge, you will be safe because of him. Not that you won't have calamity, not that hard things won't come, and not that you're going to like the results. But in the refuge of God, you are there with him. You have refuge. And that's where we're going to be picking up our series today. This back to the 90s, lots of fun, sweet gear, um, everything going on here. But we're going back to Psalms. We're going through three, in the next three weeks, three iconic Psalms in the 90s that are life-changing. So I encourage all of you with Bibles, Bible apps, uh, iPads, whatever you have, to mark these and read these over and over and over again. The Psalm 90s are fantastic. All the Psalms are wonderful, but we're focusing here today on Psalm 91. So if you have your Bible apps on phones or whatever you have, Psalms are fantastic literature. And we're going to look at him and we're going to see in Psalm 91, as you're turning there, what he has to say about dwelling with him. Okay, turn to it and we'll get up on the screen. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. Did I say that already? I did say that. Can we change the, change the slide? Why did I read that twice? There we go. Two times. All right. I really like that first part. We'll run that back. There we go. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will never fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand but will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Next slide. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, and I will honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you're new to this, you're like, that is a lot of words. 
that's hard to understand. So this is why I encourage you to read the Psalms over and over and over again. We're going to be, begin this powerful passage. We have to start with the foundation. Regardless of who you are, you need protection. Following God does not mean that you're not going to do hardships, pain in life. Sometimes we think if I accept Jesus and I move into this, that life is going to get better. I would say nay, that's not even remotely true. Life now has a plan. Life now has a guide. Life now has something more important than the current situation. So it's not that hardships aren't going to come. It's not that, but there's protection. We know life is hard. We know that they're out there. But you may think, if I'm more religious, God's going to have less bad things happen in my life. Now, a lot of backgrounds have this story. And I'm not here to put down your story, your background. I just want you to hear with me for a second, theologically and scripturally. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. God is not happy or unhappy with you. God loves you and he hates sin. And when you give your life to Christ, what he did, all the focus is on the cross of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the center of your life, which means I right now today need a savior more than I needed yesterday because I lived an extra day and sinned more. I don't need less of the gospel every day. I need more of the gospel every day. And the, the gospel is focusing on that Jesus did everything for me. So if Jesus did everything for me, how in the world can I make God more happy with me? Because Jesus did everything for me. Because it's complete. If we start to believe if my religious acts now somehow adds to the story, we're saying that the cross of Christ was not good enough. It needs the cross plus me. And hey, you're cool. I think I'm kind of cool. Some, I, no, I try really hard. It's not working. But you don't need to be added to the equation. You are saved by grace, not of works. So you are saved by grace. Now, what about this whole living for God thing you're just talking about? Now, God literally has an entire different plan, a different story, a different way of thinking, an entirely new perspective that shifts your way from, I lived for death and now I live for life. And so we are in this big process of the Holy Spirit making us more like him. And if we love him, we want to be more like him. So now my life is dedicated to how to become more like God in the way that he thinks, the way that he loves, the way that he serves all of the time. It's a process. And when I mess up, the beauty of the cross is I go back and say, Lord, forgive me. You're forgiven. I'm already forgiven. My repentance is, Lord, forgive me. I'm not going to do it again. I don't want to be here again. This is not the way of you, God. I want the way of you, God, because you've given everything for me. I want more of you, Lord God Almighty. That's where our story enters in. And the interesting thing about our relationship with God is God doesn't move away from us. We move away from him. This whole opportunity here of our life, which at times I'm like, God, it'd be so much easier. Just make me do stuff. But that's not how God works, and that's not love. God says, I'm right here, Jason. I'm refuge. With my wings, I will protect you. You are going to get destroyed by life. Life is hard. Sin is going to just try to destroy you. My enemy, Satan, is trying to literally kill you, Jason. 
So come here, be here, and when you're here, know that I got you through all of it. And I say, that's amazing, awesome. I'm going to go do my own thing, and then I'm going to come crying to you when it messes up. It sounds like a parent and a child. All the parents out there say amen. I'm going to go do my own thing. Oh, wait, Mom, I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Can you please, can you please help me? Um, I spend all my money at pizza, and I don't have money to do laundry. Can you please give me 20 bucks? Sure, I got 20 bucks for you. Cool, I'll use it for laundry. Oh, wait, y'all got pizza again? Let me put 10 on it. And then, oh, Mom, I need $10 for laundry. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy in this relationship with God and back and forth and back and forth. We all do it. We all do it. Why in the world do we do this? It's because our theology is so off. So let me just clarify as we begin today our foundations, we dig into this. God's love for you doesn't shift. God's love is on the greatest of sinners. God's love was on the thief on a cross who just said, hey, when you, when you die and go back to your father, would you just remember me? He didn't even say, like, say anything about me. Can you tell him what a great guy I am? He just said, just remember me? And Jesus responds to that thief, you're going to be with me? Like, what? What just happened? If that dude's got in, wow. Maybe it's not as complicated as we think. Because he did not do any actions to get in there. He was a terrible human who was being crucified and killed because of his actions. His one action was acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. So this foundation that we sit on is that we are full of grace, but yet we're in this story that refuge is available for us, and we are the ones running in and out of it. If you read through the scriptures, the Old Testament, you'll see this story over and over and over again. If you read the New Testament, you'll see Christians doing this over and over and over again. It's a human condition that's terrible. And if I were God, I'd be done with us, but he isn't. This beautiful passage here gives us a little different perspective. Those who run to God are so close that even if their shadow, his shadow is upon them, they're safe. Let me go back to the beginning, verse 1 and 2. Whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the, of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For a relationship with God, this live, real thing is happening for us because God is refuge, a place of protection. He's fortress. He has everything blocked up. He is my God, and I fully trust. Can you say in your faith walk that he is your refuge, your fortress, and you fully trust him? Just, I want you to process that for a second. Can you say he is my refuge, he is my fortress, and I fully Fully trust him. I cannot. Maybe you can. I can't. I'm not there. Like, I trust him until I want to have control of something. And I start to tell God, God, I'm going to work my way out of this problem because I'm really good at working out of problems and I don't trust that you're going to take care of the answer. Hey, God, there's a big, huge issue over here, and I know you're going to help with it, but I'm going to go ahead and not even pray about it. I'm just going to do it and then ask you to help me. And I'm going to run in and out of your refuge because I think I've got a better idea, and then I get my hands slapped, and I go back to you, and we go back and forth. It's my, sto it's my story. I, and I assume it's so many of our stories, or the psalmist wouldn't have written this because he's sitting in the refuge and saying, this is awesome. And when I'm here, you're my refuge, my fortress. God, I trust you. So are we living 
on a roof? Are we living in the van? Where are you living right now? Are you saying, oh Lord, your air conditioning is the greatest of all thou air conditionings. Thou cooleth my skin, this is awesome. Or are you on top of the roof right now saying, God, I am dying, literally, I have high... I'm going, I'm out of water. I am dry. I'm out of water. I've sweated it all out. The heat's killing me. Where are you? Why aren't you helping me? And God's saying, I'm in the van. Have you ever had that in your life? God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me? All of this stuff's going on. How could you do this to me? How could you have that happen to my family? How could this happen? I can't, I cannot believe I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm in the van. Come to the van. You don't have to come here. But if you do, you'll say something different. When you're there, you will have a whole different perspective. And the next passage starts to take this word picture of an eagle protecting its young. Listen to this. We're at verse 3 if you're reading along. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Think of this monstrous, glorious eagle. Eagles are insanely awesome. They have very few predators, and it's us. These eagles, if you see them majestically, and I'm so glad that they've come back in our beautiful state of Wisconsin, when you head up north and I see these things, no matter what, I stop. And whoever I'm like, look, 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 eagle. Like, if you just stop and you watch this thing glide, and we're up on a lake, and I've watched these eagles up in the air just woof, swooping and swarming, like, what fish is about to die? <laughs> and this beautiful eagle with his wings, which are so huge, effortlessly just floats along using the currents deciding when it's time to strike and as that eagle starts to come down and you start to see him like oh wow it's game time and you see this thing go in with those talons it is going to happen and so as it comes in boom hits the water like did he make it out and he bursts out of the water with this huge fish and then i'm jealous because i'm a fisherman i didn't get one that big that day and you look at this majestic creature like, would you feel safe if you had a pet eagle? I certainly would. So now we have this picture of the psalmist using an eagle with its wings, massive wings wrapped around. Think of its young. You're not getting into me. You're not here. And this eagle, as it's protecting, and it's saying, is my care, uses beautiful word picture. Who is going to try to take this out? Not me. But then there's this word that comes out. He talks about, the snare, the fowler's snare. In the fowler snare in those days, a comic tactic was they'd trap younger birds. So they'd trap a younger bird of some type. They'd put it into and this bird would be screeching for its mother. And then a snare would be set up so that as the larger bird comes in, then the trapper would come and either net or there'd be a snare that catches into it and that they're fooled by the fact that this younger bird was there. They didn't have the technology we had back then, right? And so scripture portrays Satan as the same way as setting traps and snares. 
that Satan himself, the enemy of God, the one who hates you because you're an image bearer of God, he hates you because God made you in his image to have a purpose and plan in his story. He literally in scripture says he's a lying trying to destroy and kill all of us. But he can't because we got eagle's wings. And so he sets out traps. They're out there and out there are the traps. And he's saying, don't go there. That's where they are. Under my refuge, you will not have those things. Think about how tight your relationship with God is if you are so close that you can feel him protecting you. Even so much in the shadow of him because the shadow is still close enough that he can reach out and protect. You are so close with God. Your relationship with God is not a Sunday morning, never think about it relationship. Your relationship with God is one in which it is a thriving, every day, all day, full encompassing, how do I live more like him? You're so close close with the master that your entire life is shaped by it. You're not having to worry about the fowler's snare. I can share this with you with confidence. My wife, my life, my family, and many of our Mosaic Church families are just getting hammered right now. There is every attack possible to try to get me to quit. Just stop. You don't have to keep doing this. You can go on somewhere else. You can make more money, way more money doing other things. Why are you doing this? You could go to another place. You could leave this. And all these things are hitting at the same time. Calamity is crashing in all around myself, my family, my children, my friends, and I'm watching life crashing down around me. And all I can tell you this, the only reason that we are here and we are not moving is because the master has his wings around us. Because we are in the refuge of the God Almighty. I don't fear him. He's got games. I read the end of the book of the Bible. You lose, we win, so I'm going to hang with my master. And we sit here, but I'm going to tell you what, there are lots of tears at night. I sit here and I weep to God and say, God, why? We're getting blasted, but I'm still here. But I have nothing to fear. Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. Do not be afraid. This verse, this whole passage was used during COVID. Pestilence is a deadly epidemic or pandemic. That's what that word transfers to. I will protect you from a pandemic. So this now became a magical verse. If you say this prayer over and over again, you won't get COVID. It's definitely not true. Because nothing about God is a magical verse, do these things, and you get, you know, shake your hand three times, spin around. That's not how God works. God is all about our heart. God's about when we give our heart to him, he wants us in relationship with him. But during COVID, people would use this as a good luck charm. If I say these words, I won't be harmed. But that's not what the passage is saying. In fact, Jewish tradition has this passage written by Moses. If you don't know who Moses is, he's an Old Testament character, extremely important in the story of Israel, who was the one who God used to release the Jewish people out of Egypt you ever watch the Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, all those kind of things? That's who Moses is, though the bad theology in the movie, but still awesome movie. But that is Moses. So Moses is the one who did this, and this is thought to be written by Moses. And in his story, Moses lived through plagues that were sent, 
And the last plague was the plague of death, which God sent over all of Egypt. But he told anybody who follows him to put blood of a lamb over their doorpost and that the death would pass over them. And that's, and that's where we get the Passover from. And so Moses and all of the Jewish people did this, and those who didn't, their firstborn sons, were taken because of a decree that Pharaoh had said. Think of it from a perspective of Moses writing something about, I will protect you from plagues and pestilence. Because the Jewish people were fully protected by what happened because of what God did. And if that author of this comes through with this, it makes a ton of sense. Because obviously, people get sick. Obviously, COVID was real. Obviously, people prayed this prayer as some sort of charm and still got sick. Obviously, this is not a literal translation of the verse. Because a psalm is a book of poetry. Poetry is very important to know when we are reading, and inscript, uh, reading scriptures. There are different genres within the Bible placed in all different places. Some books are meant for poetic reasons. For instance, does God have eagle's wings? I don't think so. I don't know. But if he did have eagle's wings and he was an eagle or whatever, I mean, he can show whatever he wants, but I don't think he has eagle wings. It's a word picture to talk about protection. And so the book of Psalms here is a poetic book, not meant for prescription, but for description. Let me explain what that means. Prescription is this is what you're supposed to do. This is correct. Descriptions, this is what is happening, using metaphors and word pictures. And so is he saying that if you come here, you're never going to get hurt? That's not it. He's using a picture of what is different when I'm under the care and the closeness of God, and the purpose of the poem is telling you this. Be close to God, because there's no other place you're going to want to be when literally all hell breaks loose on you. If you are outside of the master's care, it's going to be terrible. And so our passage here is looking at it from this beautiful perspective of God is here to care for you and protect those but when we start to look at a poetic book as, if I do these three things, it doesn't make any sense. You've read poetry before. Think of some of the craziest poetry you've ever read and thought, if that was real, that'd be really creepy, right? Our, our author here, again, thought to be Moses, we don't know exactly, but thought to be Moses, is writing to get us in this idea and thought. Why wouldn't you want to be here, my friends? The arrows are flying at us. Satan wants to kill you. COVID is all around us. Things are happening in our culture. Our world is falling apart. We fight over politics. We fight over masks. We fight over schools. We fight over fighting. We just fight, 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 fight. It's just so much tension in the world. Afghanistan, are we going back to war? What's happening over there? What's happening in world politics? Friends, I'm going to sit right here and under the master in his shadow, because this is where I need to be. Because if I'm here, I look at the world differently. I look at it as, Lord, I can look up at my dad and say, Lord, what do you want from us? Instead of yelling at him across the room from a roof over to the van. It's a very different perspective when your relationship is that close with God. But let's keep reading on, verses 9 to 13. Now here's the here's a trick the charm again. Listen to this. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come 
near your tent. There's your good luck charm. I'll just say, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my refuge. And so like, hey, how you doing? The Lord is my refuge. Like, no harm. If you say the Lord is my refuge, again, this is a poetic book. It is a proclamation of the reality of your relationship. It's like saying, I am married. I, I am married. Just because I am married does not mean we're not going to fight. I am married. Just because I'm married doesn't mean I don't like my wife every day or do like her every day. We love each other, but we have squabbles. I love my wife. I'm married. Those are proclamations. The Lord is my refuge. I'm telling you, I'm hiding in this dude's tent. <laughs> it's a statement. Where are you? The Lord is my refuge. Statement. I am in the van. Where are you? The Lord is my refuge. I'm in the van. That's the best way to think about this passage. I am in the van. I've got refuge. And you make the most higher dwelling. No harm will, listen to the word, overtake you. Let's not miss words when we read things. Harm's going to come, but will it overtake you? Overtake is I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't. I'm done. I give up. I can't do it anymore. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you'll trample the great lion and the serpent. I'm like, this is pretty cool. So you're telling me I'm over here. Like, you have, like, angels and stuff that are, like, protecting me and, like, pick me up, and I'm, like, kicking lions in the face. I'm like, what's up? You know, like, uh, lion, serpent. You know, like, all of this calamities around me, you're telling me that I'm a conqueror? That I'm a conqueror? over these things. But wait, the lion's still coming after me. The, the snake is still coming after me. Death is still coming after me. So when we think about it this way, it's not that this isn't going to come. These are not magical words. This is a crazy story about thinking about the fact, how much are you protected every day of your life and you have no idea? Every day of your life, how do you know how many times you were supposed to die already? Do you ever get into your car and you're on 94? Uh, we'll make it 41 because there's always accident on 41. You're on 41. There's a big accident in front of you. And you realize that you're late to your car because you had to drop off your daughter's lunch at school. But maybe if you would have been in that car, you would have been in that accident. Do you ever think about that time? We just read, if you read about 9-11, about the people who were late. The person who couldn't get the taxi was late. The person who had to take an extra call was late. We think about these stories. You have no idea when you're under the refuge of God what he is doing and not doing. He's commanding angels and all these things to say, that's my kid. Nothing happens to you without the Lord's will. Nothing. The Satan can't touch you, can't get near you, can't do anything. The world can't get near you unless the Lord says, okay. Now, why he says, okay. Bigger story, I don't know, that's another passage, but I will say this, though I don't like it, I know it's good because he's good. Even pain is good. A church was planted because of the most extreme pain I've ever experienced in my life. And you are sitting here today because I wanted to quit. God said, come to my refuge. This is not an accident that this happened. Never in a million years did I want to start a church, be a church, be a lead pastor, I tried to get out. I got another job. God pulled me back in, said, no, I got something for you. Trust me, God's doing things that you don't understand. We don't give him enough credit for the unknown, nor do we even take the moment 
to pause and say, God, I don't know what's going to happen to me today, but I know you're good and you got me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me. I don't need a good luck charm. I don't need a special saying. I have the Lord Jesus Christ. All I got to do is hang in his refuge. I'm going to hang in the cool van. If you guys want to be on the rooftop and you're hot, I'm just going to invite you to come into the van. Because in the van, you see life different. Never in my life have I ever witnessed more arrows, bombs, snakes, lions, airplanes, what you got, just crashing in on myself, my family, and my friends. I've never seen anything like this. And this is what I'm going to tell you. This is like a real life. I started, I read this passage. I'm like, are you serious, God? This is what you have to preach on right now? Like, it's literally my life. He's like, yeah, okay. So, never in my life have I realized that the refuge of God is the only place I've got left. If you still believe that you've got better options, then you're not going to believe me until God takes them all away. Because when life breaks down, when things happen, what do we have left but the refuge of the Lord God Almighty? The hope that I have in something bigger, in all things, in all things, that is our God. Move on to the last part, because this is how the psalmist closes this passage. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I'll answer him. I will be with him here we are, in trouble. We're in trouble. I'm going to be with him. Notice it never says, I'm going to keep him out of trouble. He's going to have a great life. He's going to make a million dollars. If so, I don't know how to do it because I didn't make it. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The psalmist ends up this passage and takes a look at this. And I just, this is my word picture. When my son was young, when I could walk over his head, you know, he's toddling, and I could just walk over him, trying to go get a soda. When my son was young, I would take his hand, and he would look up at me at only a way a son could look at his father. The look in his eyes, if you've ever had this experience, maybe you guys can relate. The look in his eyes, they glimmered with a smile across his face. He was not afraid. He wasn't afraid of me. There was no fear in the world. He was safe in his dad's care. As I held his hand, no one was going to hurt him, and he knew that. As I held his hand, he knew that it was going to be okay. As I held his hand, and he looked up at me as just a young child could do, looking up to a father, as I loved and poured all my love back into him, I knew and he knew that nothing was going to happen. There was trust. There was faith. There was peace. There was love. Maybe we should grab daddy's hand a little bit more. Maybe we should take his hand and look up to him and say, God, thank you. Lord, this sucks. This world is hard. Whatever story you're in right now, if you come in today with calamity and pain, Hear me, friends, we are with you in it. This is terrible. I hold their hand, I look up to you and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to look to you because I know that I'm safe here. I got nowhere else to go. Daddy, will you take care of me? Daddy, will you protect me from everyone who's trying to kill me? 
Daddy, will you make sure that I don't get into that car accident? Daddy, will you please help us when everyone's going after me? Dad, I don't know how to deal with this new story. Dad, how do I tell my mom that my sister has cancer? Dad, how do I, how do I take care of the fact that my wife just left the best friend? Dad, Dad, I don't know what to do. Dad, can you, can you, Daddy, take care of me? That's refuge. Friends, that's the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that I've given my life to and started a church for. Not another Sunday gathering. There's plenty of those happening in Washington County. Not another time for us to do things, but a time for us to move into the refuge of God because the world is going to be relentless. The enemy will be relentless, but our Lord God Almighty is our refuge. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.